Yo, guys, have you got your Bibles? Open them up to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. And the title of my message to you this evening is The Dawn Patrol. And uh, while you're turning there, I want to teach you a rhyme. Okay? I want you to repeat it nice and loud. It goes like this. Read your Bible and pray every single day. Read your Bible and pray every single day. And then every single day, read your Bible and pray. You think you can say that? Okay. One, two, three. Read your Bible and pray every single day. Every single day, read your Bible and pray. Okay. Can you, can you, this is a YWAM place, isn't it? Okay. You can do better. We're in the YWAM. We've got the YWAM anointing for loudness. Okay. Should we do that once more? Read your Bible and pray every single day. Every single day, read your Bible and pray. And by the way, that is a recipe, if you would, to a really cooking Christian life, okay? Read your Bible and pray every single day, and every single day, read your Bible and pray. And I want to talk to you tonight about the dawn patrol, early morning prayer. And God spoke to me so directly. I was praying for a word and something to share with you guys, and uh, this just came so strong to me, and um, I really feel like this church is a spirit-filled community, and um, praying with you earlier on, and just sense that, wow, God is doing something amazing here, and uh, I really believe that there's great things in the future. You know, when I look across that hall, you've got space for growth, and God is going to grow. He is going to bless, and for those of you who don't know what a dawn patrol is, it's a surf term for getting up extra early in the morning before the sun has risen to make your way down to the beach, to get into your wetsuit, and to paddle out as the sun is rising over the horizon. Okay? That's a dawn patrol. I've been doing them for years, but not recent years, <laughs> earlier years, and... That dawn patrol, and what is the benefit? What's the advantage of a dawn patrol? Well, if you ask any surfer, it will tell you that not only do you beat the traffic, you beat the crowds, you get on the tide, and you beat that onshore wind that always comes up about 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning. And it really is the best time. There is something beautiful. And... um, I can see the surfers because you've got these big smiles. And, you, and, and it's just, it's like, you know, when the water, the, it's, it's just like a mirror. And it's just glassy and beautiful. And those waves are just coming in. And it's the most amazing thing. I think the closest thing to heaven on earth, if you're a surfer. If you're a fisherman, fishermen also like to do dawn patrols too getting up early, because they know that the best fish are biting at 5 a.m. in the morning, if you've ever fished. And 
You know, when, when I was, Cara and I, by the way, after we got married long, long ago, a long time ago, we, um, well, we moved to California, and California's got a lot bigger surfing crowds compared to even Musenberg, if they were possible. And I had a friend, good friend, and he used to wake me up, and I'd, I'd just hear on his door, and, and we would, from where we stayed, we would go and we'd surf San Clemente, and we'd surf um, Santa Barbara, and Newport Beach, and all those places were about like, you know, two hours traveling, getting on a highway, but I can remember times where I could barely open my eyes, about three in the morning, to be on the highway just to get to that place, and to get out and get in my wetsuit and still be yawning and, but the blessing, you know, afterwards, like I would, I mean, on the trip up there, I'm going, why am I doing this? This is so dumb. You need the sleep. And when I'm sitting out in the surf and catching those waves, I'm going, this was the best idea ever. And something I want to sell to you tonight and not sell to you, that's not Christian, is it? Give to you tonight is this whole topic of early morning prayer, the dawn patrol, getting up early, giving to God the first part of every day, and saying, God, this is yours, this is me and you time, when I want to be alone with you. And this is, was something that I discovered early in my Christian life. I was in my 20s, and at the point I was at, I wasn't a committed Christian. I had a very full life. I was living a me-spirit-filled life, full of all the things that my spirit wanted, not the Lord's spirit. And um, I was surfing every day, gymming every day, squash a couple of times a week, hang out with friends, girlfriends, and parties and repeats, and I was studying at the time, and that was my life. My life was so full that there was just no place for God. God was, yes, I believed in God, but it was some ways back, and my life was just so full, and I can remember that day when the landlady of the house, the apartment where I stayed, came to me with a tape do you guys know what a tape is? Not a tape measure. Those things that played music, okay? And she gave me this tape, and I remember looking at this tape, and she said, listen to this. And the tape had two words on it. It said, the morning watch, the morning watch. And what's this all about? And I played this message, and I listened to it, and it was... A missionary from America in Zimbabwe talking about getting up early in the morning to pray. And as I listened to that message, a conviction came over to me. It was this whole thing of giving God the best part of the day, giving God something. And I was like, well, that's normally when I'm surfing. So I'm going to have to get up earlier before I surf. So I surf at five. I'm going to have to get up at four. And so I listened to, I set my alarm for four o'clock. I woke up before the alarm, and as I'm sitting up in my bedroom, 
God speaks to me. Now, my ears were not very well attuned to God, but God spoke so clearly, and He told me He wanted me to get rid of an idol in my heart. And I said, God, you've got to be kidding. That's not an idol. And God said, yes, that is an idol. Your surfing is your idol. And you've got to lay that down. And I said, God, if this is really you speaking and not a demon, <laughs> I, need you, I need you to confirm this through your word. I don't know why I said that, but I just said, God, you've got to show me in your word. I need to see this is really your voice speaking. And I was such a young Christian. I remember hearing God say, Isaiah, this scripture. And I had to look where Isaiah is, and I somehow found it in my Bible that I never used. And there was the words, and the words that God had led me, the verse, the chapter, the words started out, says, thus says the Lord. And I nearly fell on my back. God is speaking. And God not only dealt that morning with an idol in my life, and I had to lay aside my surfing for a time and a season, but God, on that specific day, God brought a promise into my life that has continued with me to this very day. A promise that my life would become His, that I would no longer be my own, that I would belong to Him, that I would serve Him in ministry, and every word that God had promised was going to be fulfilled. That was a turning point for me. And I can remember from that day saying, every single morning, I'm going to get up. If I could hear the voice of God so clearly at four o'clock in the morning, well, tomorrow morning, I'm going to be up at four. And that, this whole thing changed my life. And years later, because I, I felt so passionate about this that I started to share it with others. I started to encourage other Christians in it, my friends, and I started to preach on it, and I started, and, and this thing became so real, and I started research a little bit, and then I realized that I wasn't the only person that had discovered the dynamite of early morning prayer, and I realized that there were other people, a man named John Wesley had spoken about it, a man named Charles Spurgeon, a man named Andrew Murray, great, great men of the past who had written even books and chapters on this thing. There was a man, his name was J.R. Mott from um, previous century, and he had pioneered the student Christian movement across the states. And J.R. Mott, listen to what he said, and, and this really struck me. He said, the three most important things in life are number one, getting saved. Number two, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And he said the third one, the third most important thing in your Christian life after being saved and filled with the Holy Spirit is discovering early morning prayer. What? I mean, is that really, I mean, would you put it up there with being saved and filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, he evidently did. And you know, the one thing that I've discovered is that every Christian who has found the blessing of early morning prayer, doing the dawn patrol with Jesus, has discovered great and huge blessing. And he says, I can't live without this anymore. Like, listen, guys, what I'm going to challenge you today starts tomorrow morning. And 
I'm going to mess you guys up. This is going to mess up your sleep life. Those Saturday mornings, waking up at 10 a.m., oh, I'm sorry, guys. This is bad, but it's so good. But you know when you look at this, and, and I want to give you, if you're taking notes, five reasons why this Dawn Patrol, a bit of the motivation behind this, why it is such a blessing. And the first is that early morning prayer is following in the footsteps of Jesus. Early morning prayer is following in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus. If you look in Mark chapter 1 and verse 35, and it speaks of Jesus and it says, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight. Can you take a guess what that time was? A long while before daylight. That must have been, that must have been pretty early, okay? And Jesus gets up to pray. Now, the, the, the one thing, and this is so interesting, when you follow, and, and what I like what Mark does here is he gives us a snapshot of one day in the life of Jesus. And it starts at verse 14, and it says, Now when after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, I want you to track with Jesus through this day, the day before he got up so early in the morning to pray. And I want you to track with them everything that Jesus was doing on this day. So what was the first thing that Jesus did on that day? He preached a sermon. So he preached and he said in his message was something like this, the main point, repent, believe in the gospel. I don't know if there's anyone here who this word would just speak right into your life and into your situation. You here and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. You've never invited Jesus Christ into your life to save you out of your sins. You know, an image of someone who is lost in their sins is like someone out at sea drowning in an ocean. And God in His love reaches out His hand in Jesus Christ and He says, come up my child, I want to bring you out of this. And salvation is reaching into the hand that's being held out toward you and letting Jesus take you up. Maybe you're here and you haven't invited Jesus into your life. Ask Jesus tonight to be your Savior, to come into your life. And Jesus was preaching that. That's how his day began. And then verse 16, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And then Jesus said to them, follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat and their hired servants and they went after him. Could this be about 10 a.m. at this point? Okay, so what has Jesus done on this day? He's preached a message, and he's called his first four of his 12 disciples. This is all in the morning. Now, 
I don't know what you were doing. But it says in verse 21, then they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, so he's walking, okay, he entered the synagogue and he taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So, busy morning for Jesus. What is he doing? Preached a message, called disciples, went into the synagogue and started teaching. Now, you'd think that would be enough for most of us, not for Jesus. Verse 23, now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him, and they were all amazed. Now, this is a rather busy day. It's getting a little bit busier. Can you see? Okay, so what did Jesus do in this day? He preached a sermon. He called his four disciples. He went into the synagogue and taught, and he cast out a demon. Would you say that's enough for one day? Not for Jesus. Okay, let's read on. So, it says in verse 29, dropping down a few verses, as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, same day, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John, but Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever, and they told him about her once. Jesus, hey, I've had a rough day. You know, this is like husbands when you get home and your wife tells you, you know, this, the tap's leaking or you need to fix this. I was like, woman, don't you know what kind of day I've had? You know? So Peter's mother-in-law is sick. And so Jesus came and took her by the hand and lifted her up and immediately the fever left her and she served them. Okay, so what was Jesus doing on this rather busy day? He preached a sermon, he called four disciples, he taught in the synagogue, he cast out the demon, he healed a woman with a fever. Now you would say that's probably, that's enough, right? Okay? He's done his work for the day. Well, the sun's going down at this point. Verse 32, at evening when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city, Capernaum, was gathered together at the door. And then he healed many who were sick of various diseases. He cast out many demons, and he did not allow the demons to speak, because they knew him. And verse 35, now, in the morning, the next morning, having risen a long while before daylight, that's when he got up to pray. So, on this rather busy day of Jesus, can you help me? Okay, the first thing, he preached a sermon, called four disciples, taught in the synagogue, cast out a demon, healed a woman with a fever, at supper time started casting out demons and healing sick people, and all the city was gathered together at his door. Okay, would that be a good reason for you to sleep till 11 o'clock the next morning? Jesus got up a long while 
before daylight to be with his father in prayer. You see, there really is no reason why we can't get up a long while before daylight and pray and spend that time with the Lord. Jesus, but listen, this is so interesting because Jesus, the previous day, he had given out so much to people that he needed to replenish what he had given out. Because so many of these events, Jesus was giving out of his power. He was giving out of his anointing. He was ministering. And I know what it's like to preach one or two messages on the same Sunday. You feel pretty. Whew. And Jesus needed to fill his sails. And so gets up early and he begins to pray. Guys, this is, by the way, for those of you serving the Lord in ministry, this is so important. This is really what gives us longevity in ministry is our relationship with God, spending that time with the Lord. And so the first reason for early morning prayers, when we're doing it, we are following in the footsteps of our Lord Jesus. The second reason is that early morning prayer develops our worship. Early morning prayer is a real thing that really breaks us open in the area of worship. Um, the Scripture, can you, can you get on to some of those other verses? I've got some of the verses here, like, just go, go, here, go, 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 go. I think it's the fourth one. Um, second one. There we go. Okay. Psalm 5, verse 3. Oh, Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. And you see, I, I really, I think I would be guilty of false advertising if I had to say to you that early morning prayer is not a sacrifice. It is. You are sacrificing your bed, your pillow, your nice warm duvet. You are sacrificing those nice little early morning dreams that you have of getting barreled in the surfed music. Not. Okay. But it is a sacrifice. It really is. You are giving up something. But listen, is worship not to be sacrificial? You know, David said, I will not give to the Lord, I will not offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing. And you know, by sacrificing that hour, that time that you would be sleeping in, you are breaking open an area of worship in your life. And imagine every single day having that worship, that worship time with Jesus, when he realizes, hey, my child, that was costly for you. You gave up that just because you wanted to be with me. It's a beautiful thing. Third reason, benefit, early morning prayer, is that it arms us for the battles of the day. There is no better preparation for whatever challenges you are going to face at work whatever relational things you're going to have to face for you moms who are raising children, whatever it is, whatever the challenges of the day, your studies, school, whatever it might be, you're really getting armed when you are getting up early to pray. Joshua 8 verse 10. It says, Joshua rose early in the morning and he mustered the people and he went up, he and the elders of Israel, before the people to Ai. That was a city that he overthrew. Now, you know what's interesting about this? And I actually looked it up again. And you know, Joshua, he fought the battle of Ai. You know, the battle of Jericho, he fought that once, and the city came down. The battle of Ai, there were two battles actually. 
And the first one, you can read about it in Joshua chapter 7. And in that chapter, he lost the battle. And you know, in that chapter, it doesn't mention anything about him getting up early to go fight this battle. But the second time after losing and coming back, he gets up early. That was part of his battle plan, to get up early against the enemy. And you know, for me, I want to wake up before Satan. Don't you? You know, beat him to it. Let him sleep in. I'm going to get up first, and I'm going to be praying. I'm going to be putting on the armor of God and getting myself strong so that I can face Satan, I mean my boss, when I get to work. Okay? For those of you who are Christian bosses, ignore. Okay? But those, those, those battles that we are facing, those battles that we're fighting, there's nothing better than prayer. Prayer is really like that's what helping us to get through those rough things. And just be honest, are you going through a rough patch at the moment? Are you? Well, that early morning prayer, that could be your remedy right over there. We'll win the battles through prayer. Um, and so, winning the battles. And then number four, early morning prayer satisfies our spiritual hunger. You know, there's something very interesting. We call it the manna principle. You know, when the Lord in the Old Testament, when He was providing for Israel in the wilderness, there was no food, and that bread from heaven that was raining down, you know, God could have sent it at any time of the day or night. But it tells us in the Scripture that when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell with it. I can imagine God in heaven to the angels. Gabriel, hold it back, hold it back, hold it back, hold it back. Okay, now it's probably like about 3, 2, 3 in the morning. Okay, let it go. Fresh bread for the day. And if you read in the context, there's two chapters that really deal with the manna, Numbers 11 and Exodus chapter 16, where it tells us, and, and guys, this, there, there, there was this like, God had put in some kind of self-destruct mechanism into this manner because they could collect it as much as they wanted. It says morning by morning, not afternoon by afternoon, not evening by evening, but morning by morning, they gathered the manna, each as much as he could eat. But listen, when the sun grew hot, it just went, and it was gone. So, my butch, you sleep in, you're going to miss manna. You won't have anything to take back to your family. You've got to get up early. And you see, by getting up early, God was discipleship training Israel and saying, I want you to be a nation of early risers. I want you to be a people that get up early. And by the way, while you are collecting that manna, be praying and be thankful to me for what I'm providing for you. Give us this day our daily bread. And God, thank you for what you're doing. And, you know, God would be waiting for them in that early part of the morning. It's the manna principle. If you sleep in, you miss it. Remember, you can't recover those, those early morning hours, that quiet time, that alone time with your Lord Jesus. And He waits for you for that. And last reason, early morning prayer is when we meet with our Lord. If there were ever time, and listen, I know 
Josh, Jen, we've got our evening meetings, 7 p.m., 7 p.m., 7 p.m., and, and, you know, we've got church more, 9 a.m., whatever. And if you just say, God, I want to have a date with you, what time do you think God would say? Hey? Four o'clock, five o'clock. That quiet time before you, while your kids are still sleeping and still snoring away, you get up quietly, don't wake them up, put the kettle on, make your coffee, go find your comfy chair, snuggle up with your Bible and your candle. Okay? And you just have, you have your daily dates with Jesus. You know, Mary Magdalene, John 20 and verse 1, and it says, Mary, when she came to the tomb of the Lord Jesus last Sunday, as we celebrated Resurrection Sunday, when she came to the tomb, it says she came very early, even before daybreak. That's when she met Jesus. And she had a first-hand encounter with him. And then later on, John 21, when Jesus is... Um, his disciples, well, a couple of them, a bunch of them went fishing on the Sea of Galilee and all fishing and stuff, and, and it says they saw a man on the beach very early in the morning, and he said to them, cast your nets on the other side, because they were fishing all night, and they'd caught nothing, and they did, and they pulled in this huge catch, 153 large fish, and, and they dragged it in, and Peter said, it is the Lord, it's Jesus. And as they got there, there was this little fire going and some fish roasting and some bread. And Jesus said, come eat with me. What time was that meeting with Jesus? It's just about daybreak. There's a beautiful thing when you are with your Lord. And so what a blessing and what an amazing thing this is. Now, I want to share with you just a couple of little thoughts, some practical things, and then we'll close. What are the rewards? You know, everything that we invest into our walk with the Lord, into our faith, into our Christian life, there's always a reward. And when we do something like this, what is the reward behind it? How can I be sure that God really will minister to me, uh, to you as He did to me? How can I be so confident in this? Well, it's the principle of first fruits. And in that principle, it's give to the Lord the first part. Now, this was in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. And he said, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. And so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Filled and overflowing is the promise of dedicating your first fruits to the Lord. Do you get that? Honor the Lord with your first fruits, and so your vat will overflow and be filled with new wine. And so when you think about that, God's saying, I want to fill you, I want you to overflow with blessings so that you can pass it on to those around you. But He's saying, honor me with the first portion. Now, because the people were agricultural there in Israel, and they knew our trees, our fig trees, our pomegranates, our olives, the first fruits were the first fruits on the tree to ripen. 
And by taking that and bringing it and offering it to the Lord, they were giving the Lord the best because the first fruits is the best fruits. And God says the best part of the day is the early morning. That is what I want you to offer to me. And when you offer that to me, you will be filled and you will overflow. It's the principle of first fruits. And something is so remarkable because uh, we normally think of that in a financial sense of I'll give my offering to the Lord, I'll give my tithe. Remember your tithe is always your first tenth, not the ninth tenth, not at the end, it's at the beginning. You give to God the beginning and then you trust Him to bless your other nine tenths, right? Right? Have you guys had teaching on this? Tithes, yeah? So, now, just think about it. Not only you want to tithe your money, you tithe your days, your time. You give to God the first part. Now, if it's an hour, it's a half hour, whatever it might be, you give that to the Lord and see what He does with the rest of the day. I was just this morning talking with a businessman, and he brought it up, not me. Very interesting how God does this. But he came to me, and he said, you know, it's kind of interesting, something that I found, you know, I've got so much to do, and he's busy working on some project for the ICC, International Convention Center, and the deadline is tomorrow, and he said, but you know what I've discovered? I've got so much, I should get to it as early as I can tomorrow morning, but the one thing I've discovered in my work is that when I miss the first part of the day with the Lord, and I think I'm so busy that I'll skip that and I'll just go straight to my work. He said, I'll always go slower. He has discovered by himself that when he gives God the first part of the day, the rest of the day is blessed and more fruitful, filled and overflowing. It really is true, and you can test the Lord on this, by the way. Um, it really works. Now, let me just throw out a few little things over here, just some one-liners is number one, early morning prayer, and please hear me on this, early morning prayer is not Christian legalism. It's grace. Because you might think, well, what if I commit myself to this and Wednesday I sleep in? I, I mean, am I doomed then? Have I lost my salvation? Am I uh, anathemed? No. Listen, our standing with the Lord is by grace not by our works. Early morning prayer can bless you, can't save you, can't, you know, and, and, and so don't get stuck in a legalistic kind of way of doing this. For me, it's just been a blessing in my life. It's not something that I've like absolutely, you know, I'll die if I don't do this, but it's, it's a blessing. Secondly, I know what you were thinking, some of you. You were like, I'm not a morning person. Who, who was thinking that? I just felt that thought coming to me. I'm not a morning person. I'm not a morning person. I'm a night person. And, you know, it's early morning prayer just for the morning people. You know, it's for the roosters. You know, but the, you know, the others that want to sleep in. Like, this is, this is important. Any habit can be changed. You, you can change that habit from being a night person to a morning person. Just get to bed earlier. Okay? Get to bed earlier, wake up earlier. There's a saying, you can't burn a candle on both ends. But I like the night. Well, the night is, I, I watch those programs on TV, and it's when I hang out with my friends till the early hours of the morning, 
It's a simple thing. Just crucify your nightlife. Yeah? Okay. Just put it on the cross. And you get up early in the morning. You do this. It is something that, and um, by the way, I've taught this in Bible schools. I've, I've, like it's something that has just played out over so many years, groups of Christians. And what we would do, if I was teaching this on a Sunday um, in a setting where I was going to be for a week, we would start Monday morning. We'd meet at the church at 5 a.m. together to worship and pray. And we'd do that till Friday just to get in a habit of doing it. You will be amazed. The people, you know, they come and, and they all like, like Monday morning, they're so excited and they're like, yeah, this is so awesome. We're like, we, you know, we get to hang out before work and college and, and Tuesday, they're a little bit less enthusiastic and Wednesday, they're like, and I tell them, guys, you got to go to bed earlier. You can't go to bed at 12 and then get up at four. You know, you can't do that. You got to get to bed earlier, you know, and so... Thursday, sometimes the group gets a bit smaller, and, and Friday, like, they're real strong. It's like, man, this was so awesome. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. But you've got to kill that nightlife. You've got to put that thing to death, okay? And um, listen, you guys, youthies, okay? You like to stay up till late night. No, no, but you're quite disciplined, actually. Hey? You guys always cap it off 9 o'clock. This is so awesome. Okay. <laughs> the dads love you. We have to do all the rides and pickups. Um, but that's, you know, your beauty sleep. Now, here's something I want to just throw out for you. How about this? When you say, God, this tomorrow morning, ah, God, I'm so exhausted. I'm so tired. I can't even just, even the thought of setting my alarm for five in the morning, it's too much for me. Pray this prayer. God, I'm not going to set my alarm for tomorrow morning. You wake me up. You whisper in my ear and you wake me up. See what God does. There's actually a passage in the Bible. Can you just go ahead one there? Um, and this is beautiful. Isaiah 50 and verse 4. I came across this verse when I was still in my 20s. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those that are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word to a word to him who is weary. Now listen to this. Morning by morning he awakens, he awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. And you know, I, I remember reading and, and thinking about when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and the disciples kept falling asleep, falling asleep, and he goes, he kept coming to them, whispering, wake up, guys, wake up, wake up, watch and pray with me, lest you don't fall into temptation. Jesus was doing the awakening. And I can tell you so many times when I've, I've got this passage marked out in my Bible and I just like, God, wake me up tomorrow morning. You know, as much as you desire to spend time with God, God much more desires to spend time with you. He will wake you up. You try it tomorrow morning, by the way. And then... Isaiah 26 and verse 9. With my soul, I've desired you in the night. Yes, by my spirit within me, I will seek you early. Do you know in Israel that they had what was called the daily offering? And that daily offering was the sheep, the ram, whatever it was that they would bring to the Lord every day, every single day was that offering, that sacrifice. 
And do you know it was when that sheep was sacrificed, when it was offered, the daily offering, it wasn't in the afternoon, it wasn't at two, it wasn't at four, it was very early in the morning before daybreak, that lamb was sacrificed for the sins of Israel. And the Lord is bringing us into this kind of lifestyle that we say, Lord, I willingly sacrifice to you. That morning time, Lord, I'm offering it to you. I'm giving myself to you. I will seek you early. Can you tonight make a decision in your heart and say, I'm at least, if I'm not going to make this, I'm going to try it out this week. Would you agree to that? You know, there's something about, I have preached this message before in different ways and different forms and different formats, and I believe so strongly, I was praying and I was saying, God, what message must I bring? And I felt this is the one. I haven't preached this for quite a few years, by the way. But the one thing that I've discovered in preaching this message is that the Holy Spirit always speaks to hearts of believers, of Christians. And if you want to tonight, you want to make that dedication and say, I, I, want, I want to do this, but I want it to be in the Spirit, and I want the Holy Spirit to help me, to empower me that I'm going to rise early. I'm going to do it. And there might be a whole lot of obstacles and challenges. Moms with babies, waking up all through different times of the night, it can be hard. But whatever the challenge is, maybe I, I'm a watch my work at night, whatever, security, can be really hard. But God, lead me guide me, direct me in this. I believe he will. But um, 